Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's too easy to put us off balance, to confuse, to beat us, to push us off track. It's too easy. Those were the words of Thomas Tuchel following yesterday's defeat at Southampton. Chelsea's manager is cutting an increasingly frustrated figure these days as the once most miserly defence in the Premier League is now leaking goals at an alarming rate while struggling to score at the other end. So how has the season started so poorly for the Blues? I'm joined by Jonathan Johnson to discuss that very question as well as the latest drama from the soon-to-close transfer market. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso, Kegolasso pod on Twitter. Thank you so much for being part of our QG fam. Plenty more to come, including our weekend preview. And tomorrow we'll have a great live recap right after the transfer window shut. So make sure to stay tuned. And later on as well, you know, we'll have much more, including transfer informations and Champions League next week. Jonathan Johnson, good to have you on the show. How are you, brother? You're doing well. Thanks, my friend. And yourself? I'm good. I'm so happy when it's just you and me and we psychoanalyze not only Thomas Tuchel, but the descending stories from other clubs who we will not mention. Don't worry. We'll talk about that later. But JJ, great to have you. Make sure to follow all his content, John underscore Le Gossip. Uh, he's been uh, all over the news this summer as well, CBS Sports, CBS Sports website. JJ, um, today's uh, topic, today's headline, today's main uh, dish in the menu is Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel. After losing 3 nothing to Leeds United, you would think that midweek, this very strong side, this very recent Champions League champion would kind of wake up. But no, it wasn't to be. After taking a one nothing lead against Southampton, they end up losing. 2-1 and cramming, um, you know, key injuries as well. Reese James, Kante, Loftus-Cheek. It's not pretty, my friend. Straight away, I'm just going to ask you, is Thomas Tuchel on the hot seat? 
It's not pretty, but you know what is pretty? That New Mexico shirt that you're wearing. I, I like it. It's, it's almost kind of got like a knitwear vibe to it. It's, it's beautiful, switch. man. Shout out to Adidas for, for the shout out. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, um, uh, you know, when you said it was dish of the day, it's kind of got a familiar flavor to it because I've seen Thomas Tuchel go through this kind of thing before with PSG. And we know that ultimately it probably doesn't end well. Um, you know, whether he can find like a second win with Chelsea, we'll have to wait and see. Is he under pressure? I think he is. I think he's feeling the pressure. Um, but I, I think there's kind of a lot of different mitigating circumstances around it as well. I mean, obviously, you had the change in ownership, which really changes the dynamic, uh, you know, for Chelsea, you know, whether people want to admit it or not. You know, it's it's not like Tuchel starting from scratch, but, you know, it's sort of resetting the credit counter to zero. Um, and, you know, you mentioned a couple of key uh, absences as well, Rhys James, notably uh, N'Golo Conte. And Conte is now, you know, a, a worry for a club and country. You know, how much more juice is there left in the tank? Because it doesn't seem like there is that much left at this moment in time. Uh, and, you know, I think Chelsea as well. I mean, there's, I mean, they're, they're welcoming new players in through the door all the time. Uh, it's going to take a while before, you know, Tuchel is settled on, you know, his, his best eleven. There's a lot of disgruntled players in that group as well. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to discuss Christian Pulisic later, but, you know, he's not the only one who, you know, sort of, you know, doesn't necessarily see himself being a proper fit under Tuchel. Uh, you know, and I think there's... I mean, you know, Tuchel kind of needs now the best part of a year, 18 months to properly, you know, sink his teeth into this squad, uh, you know, especially with, you know, other players being linked with the club as well. Gavardiol, you know, who might potentially come into the mix next season or something like that. So, you know, it seems like there's stuff changing all the time. And I mean, honestly, it kind of feels like Tuchel has kind of been a bit spoiled by the situation since the takeover got ratified. It's almost gone from like, right, there's absolutely nothing you can do to change this team the you know the club is under embargo you just have to deal with what you've got which is when I believe Tuchel is is at his best uh, as a manager and now sort of ba basically being able to you know make any sort of you know quick demands uh you know to the leadership and uh you know they they sort of you know cater to every whim uh you know and, and a strengthening in a bunch of different positions over the pitch so to me it kind of seems like there's the the sort of vision under Tuchel right now is a bit uh, is a bit blurry. It's blurry, and it's been a tough one for Thomas Tuchel. We have to remember that during the Abramovich drama situation, it was him that had to be basically the press conference officer uh, regarding what was going on with the latest ins and outs. So I do feel for him. And to your point, he's been through this before in, in, in previous situations. I think that what's a little bit worrying is the thing that you said the most here, JJ, which is we have a new owner now. Chelsea has a new owner in Todd Bowley. And Todd Bowley is not, I think, going to put up with any kind of, you know, subpar performances, specifically when he's looking to add a tremendous amount of intel. You mentioned the transfers. This is what Thomas Duhull said. What will help is the closing of the transfer window. We will know who has full commitment, who needs to commit to what we demand. Then everybody, including myself, needs to step up to a new level of performance. It's nice that he's taking a little bit of responsibility here, but it's a little weird JJ, that he's saying that he needs to wait for the transfer window to shut to know who's committed. You, I mean, you, if you're a Chelsea player at this moment, you're a Chelsea player, whether you want to leave or go. It's kind of weird to me that this very smart, very work ethic demanding German manager is trying to wait for the end of the transfer window to see what player really wants to stick around. And that's kind of weird. I mean, just a reminder, the ins, Raheem Sterling, Kukureya, Koulibaly, 
uh, Gallagher coming back from loan, of course, Bro Broja as well, and the outs, Rudiger, Werner, Lukaku, Christensen, Emerson. And yes, Pulisic, to your point, JJ, is that a weird quote to you? Or is it, you know, just trying to calm down a few fires before the window shuts? It is and it isn't a weird quote. I mean, it is logical. Uh, but also at the same time, you're right, you know, um, you know, you, you shouldn't have to need a transfer window to close for players to be fully committed. Unfortunately, it just seems to be the nature of the, you know, the the modern game as it is at the moment, uh, you know, that a lot of players, uh, you know, sort of project themselves elsewhere. I mean, it, it struck me while I was looking at some of the deals being discussed uh, just the other day, like some of the players moving on after such a short period of time at their new clubs, like Gozens, for example, Jeremy Boga, uh, you know, who I think had already been for, at their clubs for like, sort of six to 12 months. There is a lot of that around. And, you know, you've got other players, I mean, looking specifically within the Chelsea squad, you've got someone like Hakim Ziyech, uh, you know, someone who who's moved to Chelsea, hasn't worked out, uh, you know, has now taken steps to try and secure himself and move away. That still hasn't happened. So perhaps it's those kind of players that Tuchel had in mind when he was saying that. But, you know, I, I do think it's it must be really frustrating as a coach that basically your season starts from when players are locked into the squad. And if you're a club that's going to be aiming to go to the latter stages of the Champions League, that's not really sort of being locked in for, for sort of the next five months or so. That's being locked in until the end of the season because... It, a club like that is not really going to sanction any major departures uh, mid-season. So it's basically knowing who will be there, uh, you know, for the duration of the of, of the campaign. So that suggests to me when Tuchel's saying it, that there are a lot of players who are trying to force a way out, uh, you know, and, and maybe trying to, to do it in a, a subtle way or not be too obvious about it. But, you know, these are the kind of things that you're going to pick up on, uh, especially as you're, if you're a coach as close to the players as, uh, as Tuchel is, you know, likes to be very involved. Uh, you know, he will know who is sort of agitating uh, for a move elsewhere to better their game time, especially just months away from a World Cup. And perhaps that itself explains, uh, you know, part of what I was mentioning earlier about so many players moving on even after a short space of time having just signed for uh, a new club six to 12 months ago well one of them is christian pulisic and let's get to that point because it's no secret that he really was hoping to leave at the very least on loan to get minutes ahead of a world cup apparently todd bowley from the beginning didn't want that to happen specifically to a rival club because there was interest from clubs such as manchester united and possibly even newcastle but it seems to me i mean unless something happens in the last seconds that somebody like pulisic will stay so you know this being a usmnt centric audience as well jonathan johnson thoughts on pulisic you know, being one of those players that perhaps Tuchel was talking about, you know, whether he was committed or not. It's not like he's getting the minutes. What, what do you make of the American, you know, possibly not even going anywhere at the end of this window? I mean, I don't know if necessarily Tuchel's getting at him because, you know, at the end of the day, Pulisic will get some minutes. They just won't necessarily be key minutes, certainly not in comparison to what he might have been able to find if he'd been able to secure a move elsewhere. But, uh, you know, also at the same time, I mean, I take it back to the debate that we had recently. I think it was James Benj who was uh, who, who brought up this point. And to be fair, it is it is quite a good point, you know. Is the quality of minutes with Chelsea going to be higher than, you know, the the quantity of minutes that he could get elsewhere? Because it's difficult to find sort of a better quality club to be at, especially in the months leading up to a World Cup, uh, you know, and with all due respect. 
you know, it's even higher quality than it would be at Manchester United, who aren't in the Champions League, unlike Chelsea. Uh, you know, so, you know, perhaps Pulisic's uh, minutes with, uh, you know, Chelsea might ultimately stand him in better stead for the World Cup because going anywhere else probably would have been a massive gamble. You know, even going back somewhere familiar like the Bundesliga, it would have had to have been a very, very good fit with a club. And, you know, I think there are a limited number of clubs in Germany that could even try, uh, you know, to, to bring somebody like Pulisic in. Uh, you know, and I, I don't think, you know, MLS probably would have even been an option for him no, in the run-up to the World so. Cup. So, you know, I think ultimately for, for Pulisic, it's probably going to be a question of, you know, just make do as best he can with the situation. Because if he continues to feature, I mean, okay, not starting that regularly, but if Chelsea continues to go deep in uh, in, in the Cups, uh, you know, then he will get a run of uh, minutes. But, you know, that will all depend on when, whether Chelsea's form picks up or not. So personally... I don't get the impression that Pulisic would be sort of, you know, one of the main players sort of causing issues and headaches for for Thomas Tuchel. But sure, I can understand that he wouldn't be happy with his lack of minutes. And and that's why he would have preferred to be able to move on uh, this summer. Yeah, um, I mean, fair enough. And Pulisic maybe not saying much, but I'll tell you who is talking and he's being very public about it. And that's his father, Mark Pulisic you know, live tweeting, criticizing Tuchel, of course. Thomas Tuchel responding, I'm not concerned if a father says that a player does not love me. <laughs> I love that. I want that on a T-shirt, by the way. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, listen, my own take about this is if uh, I'm Christian Pulisic right now, I, I'm taking the gamble. I just want minutes. I don't care whether it's, you know, uh, Dagenham and, and Redbridge or if it's Manchester City. It's like he just wants to play. And unfortunately, right now, that's not happening. So I think in terms of, like, quality over minutes is going to be the biggest argument. But we're going to have to wait and see. By the way, as the transfer window is shutting, you know, not long to go now. Um, we also have Wesley Fofana getting uh, closer to, you know, being announced by Chelsea. That'll be a huge addition at the back. Uh, he's he's well, being announced. I think already, the official announcement can. Set. I mean, and that's a great acquisition for Chelsea at the back, definitely. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, obviously uh, the most important thing going on right now is, is him being safe and his family safe. He suffered a broken jaw, apparently, due to this armed robbery. We wish him all the best. And I can't even begin to imagine not just the physical uh, issues that he dealt with, but the psychological ones. So I'm sure that maybe, you know, that is weighing on his mind. So Chelsea still have a lot of business to do. And there is uh, Wesley Fofana right there. He wanted this move. The move happened, uh, of course. Uh, but do you think now then that, let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, JJ, Aubameyang joins Chelsea. Fofana is in now. Um, is there anything else you think that, no more excuses for two hole. Do you think they probably need one or two more players? Uh, there's no such thing in the Thomas Tuchel playbook as no more excuses. There's always an endless supply of excuses and people <laughs> will find that if they don't know that already, they're going to find that out pretty soon. Uh, I mean, I mean, it it really depends, depends on how much input Tuchel has had into, into the transfers, because I know, uh, you know, that he knows players like Aubameyang from the past. But Aubameyang, when Tuchel was his coach at Dortmund, is very different to the Aubameyang that we know now, uh, who's retired from international duty. Um, you know, had sort of uh, found like a new lease of life with Barca and then, you know, suddenly is no longer needed by them already. Another one of those players who's been there, you know, for just a short period of time and finds himself on the move again. So for me... I mean, I don't think that, uh, you know, Tuchel will, will sort of view this situation as no more excuses. Uh, but, uh, you know, I do think that 
you know, he can't really complain too much about the squad that's uh, that's been put in front yeah, of him. Let me just considering- support that part, JJ. Let me just support your argument there because Chelsea are closing in on a whopping £300 million transfer window right now. Raheem Sterling, Koulibaly, Carnage, Kumeka, Kukureya, Slonina, Wesley Fofana. And if they get Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, that increases. I mean... That Gradial is another 90 million, so that'd be nearly 400 for uh, you know. I mean, okay, he might not arrive and be a player at least for another 12 to 18 months, but still another player, right? Exactly, right. So, let me ask you this right now the way that it's going, and let's wrap up the Chelsea chatter because we do have uh, a few other pieces of information to go through. Is is it now because I can't remember what I said in my predictions before the season started, but I did have Chelsea out of the top four. Um, and I think that my argument for that one is strengthening minute by minute, regardless of the money that they're spending. What say you? Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Chelsea drop out of the top four. Uh, and like I said, I expect there to be plenty more excuses coming from Thomas Tuchel over the next few weeks. Because really, at the end of the day, when you've got uh, a newly assembled squad, which this essentially now is, it's going to take time you know, for that chemistry to redevelop. I mean, you look at the way that that defence was just dismantled uh, you know, from the, the one that Tuchel was able to call upon last season. Some guys are there who you know, have wanted out. Have want, you know, Marcos Alonso, I think, has, has had per- personal terms agreed with Barca since like April or something like that. And he's still there as Piriqueta wanted a Barca move as well. I know that, you know, there's probably less criticism of as Piriqueta because he is a pro's pro, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, will, will, you know, honor uh, his commitment to Chelsea, but, you know, you look at Thiago Silva's not getting any younger, you know, he's, not quite out of the picture, but, you know, also is going to be an increasingly rare uh, sort of key piece for, for Chelsea to be able to call upon. A new defence takes time to gel, takes time to to be as solid as the one that helped them win the Champions League uh, very early in Thomas Tuchel's tenure. I mean, that also is part of the problem as well. Tuchel set the bar so high in those opening six months at Stamford Bridge. It's very difficult to, to live up to that, uh, you know, afterwards. So, I mean, for me, yep, I think the the pressure is definitely on Tuchel. I can see Chelsea finishing outside of the top four. Uh, and if they are on course to finish outside of the top four, I don't think it'll be Chelsea who, uh, Tuchel who finishes the season in the Chelsea hot seat. Yeah, interesting. Speaking of hot seats, we've already had one victim, Scott Parker, uh, being let go by Bournemouth. I mean, listen, it was, uh, I think Bournemouth in, in this situation uh, – Cold is uh, cold is cars because Cole Parker publicly has been saying, "I need a better squad. I need back me or sack me." And I think they did the latter. So Scott Parker is done. Quick thoughts on on, on Parker leaving, and uh, dare I ask JJ, who's next? <laughs> you know what? I'm not surprised, given uh, you know, sort of Parker's kind of loserish mentality after that defeat against Liverpool. I mean, you know. There are ways to take a defeat on your chin. Uh, you know, his sort of discourse after after that loss was was definitely not one of them. And, I, you know, I can understand he was wanting to prove a, prove a point to the board. I don't think it strengthened his position, uh, you know, winning on opening day against Villa, especially a Villa team that has spent so much to improve and has seemingly gone backwards. Uh, you know, whether or not Gerard sort of follows on his heels, we'll have to wait and see. There are a number of other candidates who could follow him. But Tuchel, you know, I think is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, and I think as well, you know, you've got to look at somebody like Frank Lampard as well. Uh, you know, and I know there's quite a rich sort of, uh, you know, Chelsea and ex-England international kind of uh, vibe to that. But, uh, you know, it's just the way that... 
specific the way that the season has started at the moment. But for Parker, you know, I think he did a good job getting Bournemouth, uh, you know, back into the Premier League. But, you know, we'll, I, I think, I mean, I can see his point why he was so frustrated with the board, uh, especially when you bear in mind some of the sums of money that they've seen players leave for, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, not being able to replace them and then to come up to the Premier League and essentially sort of act, on, you know, with like a shoestring budget. I think, you know, seeing guys like Gary Cahill leave, ripping some of the experience out of that team, you know, it's, uh, I, I can understand that, uh, you know, he was wanting to, you know, basically put the Bournemouth board in a position where they had to decide between, you know, financial stability or, or not risking their their long-term future and actually giving him a chance to, to keep Bournemouth up because, Aside from that Villa win, Bournemouth have looked well. You know, well I mean, I was going to say, I, I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, uh, on the fence on this one. I, I think, to your point, there's a little bit of a defeated situation with Scott Parker towards the end. Obviously, losing 9 nothing against Liverpool is going to make anybody feel defeatist. And beating Villa and the opening... Uh, day of the season, uh, 2 nothing at Vitality Stadium is not, you know, to your point, the way that Villa are playing right now, it's not exactly a huge uh, successive uh, story, but it is a win for a newly promoted club and, and well done. It's just that after that, they lose 4 nothing to Manchester City, they lose 3 nothing to Arsenal, then 9 nothing to Liverpool. But I will say that how many more teams, how many more newly promoted teams can get anything out of those three uh, opponents, you know, at the beginning of the season? So I, I think that Barker maybe should have been given a little bit more time at least to see what they can do against the likes of a Wolves, for example, who they're playing today uh, as we tape. Or after that, Nottingham Forest, Brighton, etc. So I, I do feel for him a little bit. But, you know, the moment he said, back me or sack me, I think they put he put the ownerships of the board in the corner and said, well, <laughs> we'll do the latter. Um, speaking of other people, well, we'll just have to wait and see. You mentioned Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard. It's interesting how, like, uh, the early 2000s midfield of England is now uh, suffering, uh, you know, the dreaded fate of maybe being fired. It makes us feel old, Jonathan Johnson, I'll tell you that, uh, that, that much. But anyway, <laughs> those are the stories from today. We have much more. As we take, by the way, there's still the matches to be played on the Wednesday in the Premier League and all over Europe. And the transfer window shuts as well. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, we have a very quick, if this comes out before it, we have a very quick live episode with JJ and uh, Fabrizio. And we also have our special recap tomorrow, including our weekend preview. Mike LaHood is going to join us after the break. Uh, when we come back, it's all about transfer stories. Uh, we'll do a very quick take on the transfers that we want to see, that we expect to see before the window shuts. LME, Jonathan Johnson, Kayla Lasso, Michael Hood coming later on. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody, welcome back. And look who it is. Are you inside a magician's? Uh... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Jeez, I feel like I've been stuck in freaking traffic inside my own mind waiting to get back on the oh, show you look, you look like you're trapped inside a photo booth <laughs> you're like remake, yeah, remaking I'm, the colin, you know colin farrell film you know what i'm getting my a license <laughs> uefa license because thomas tuchel if he loses another game i'll be taking my badges and printing my photo so you never know got to get ready chelsea I'm are, you, are you are you adept at playing a small violin though in the way that thomas tuchel <laughs> i am adept at uh you know if christian pulisic's dad keeps liking tweets criticizing the manager i can do the same be adept at that I'm just waiting for that insta story but you know Mike, you know, you know well, I meant I meant to put this out to LME and thanks to Mike mentioning it, I'm going to bring it up now. You've got a couple of examples of this. Like, I mean, look at something Villa specific where you've got Leon Bailey, his like, uh, you know, his his advisor slash stepdad, I think, coming out and sort of criticizing the situation at the moment. Like, Mike is like an ex-pro. When have you ever seen something like that happening with a with a teammate? And you know, sort of what impact does that have sort of within a squad like on the way that some of the his teammates will view a player like that when their parent is coming out i mean i feel like you know adrian rabio must have felt like this his entire <laughs> career i i can tell you those teammates that i heard about i heard after the fact because they were gone typically that doesn't end well for you when your parents especially your parents come on this is professional sports, professional soccer, your parents should not be intervening. And that's kind of passive aggressive in my mind. And I think Christian Pulisic is a great player. I think he will have a big say for this U.S. men's national team. And I know that you guys were talking about it earlier, but that's a distraction that can't be a part of this whole situation. If he's really unhappy at Chelsea, he needs to find a move and he needs to find it quick. If not now, then definitely in January. But he needs minutes as you had said, JJ, and you just hate to see it come down to this. And point of contention, after the last match against Southampton, only Chelsea player to not go and salute the fans. Christian Pulisic, first one to walk off. So it's getting pretty dire for him. It is. Um, I, listen, I hate it when parents or anybody gets him. And I'm South American. I know that if I was a professional player, media would be right at it if I wasn't being selected. But I absolutely <laughs> detested it like you said mike i don't think it does anything anybody any good if anything it damages it even yeah. more so please please stop and yes leon bailey specifically i just really hope <laughs> that right now all right we're going to talk about the latest transfer news as the window is shutting mike i'm going to give you first uh uh you know thoughts on this and then jj you jump in but i want to kind of to begin on a really interesting story i guess uh lucas ocampos was on his way to ajax uh he was then he was done he was on the flight he's ready to go for a 20 million fee uh as well from sevilla and look what happened uh ajax board were like actually we don't like this it's a little bit too pricey uh all right so the plane turns right around and leaves again mike thoughts on this one an interesting uh developments as i thought ocampos was on his way to ajax to replace, of course, uh, being part of the replacement of Anthony. Well, wait, yeah. wait. Let's 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 add what followed after that into the story because it wasn't just that he turned around and went back. Ajax then sent Huntelaar and Hamstra <laughs> to Seville to apologize to him. <laughs> it's like adds like an extra like layer to the comedy. Oh man, this is. I feel like this sums up. This has one been one of the most bizarre transfer windows where you have so many potential moves and to get moves like this where it's so close. 
where your player you're a player and you're on your way it just dismays you and it, it shows a player of Ocampos's quality this is one of the players who was a key cog in Sevilla's wheel over the last couple seasons a winger who can function as a second striker who can function centrally he gives a bit more in terms of versatility I think than Anthony Anthony does Anthony's one heck of a player with a lot of promise but if you're Ocampos man your head must be spinning thinking I have to go back to that fire sale that is for Sevilla, the dumpster fire that's happening in Andalusia right now. Oh, man, he's not going to be welcomed back with the most open of arms, given how this has gone. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm really down on Sevilla every time they come up on the podcast at the moment. I've already said how I kind of feel like it's maybe not Monchi's finest moment. But I think that just reflects that there's not actually as much sort of value within uh, you know, the the sort of band that Sevilla would normally try to target uh, than anything else. But it does feel weird that they, they're sort of shedding so much talent. It's, you know, Sevilla who have always been one of those teams. Nobody really wants to come up against domestically or continentally because they're kind of like one of the best of the rest. Uh, and they obviously have that pedigree as well in the Europa League. But now to sort of see it all falling away in this manner, to me, it, it seemed like a really logical move. Uh, Ocampos going to Ajax and it might still happen. It just sounds like it's more of a financial reservation than one actually about the ability of the player he's added a lot more consistency to his game as well over the last couple of years but very very uh you know weird uh and amusing episode i mean i hope it works out well for him i tell you who is loving this uh you know whoever's collecting the flight minutes uh, <laughs> because it's just going back and forth on this i absolutely adore it jj give us a lowdown quickly on psg because uh you know, uh, I, I know there's always something going on. Hey, by the way, <laughs> Neymar leading an assist and goal in Liga. I love it. I love it. But is there a midfield revamp going on as well, even though uh, despite the fact that Renato Sanchez is in there and, and, and Fabian Ruiz as well? What's going on with PSG before the end of the window? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, you look at the situation that PSG have been in over the last couple of years and the midfield has essentially been Marco Verratti and like a random mix of other guys, but nobody else is sort of at the level of, uh, you know, Ver Verratti's brilliance. And I think one of the priorities when Luis Campos came in was like, right, we need to rebuild the midfield. So there is a solid unit around Verratti when he's fit and in form. And if he's not fit and in form, then his unavailability doesn't dictate PSG's ability to actually win games. And suddenly you've gone from PSG having a bunch of dead wood in the middle of the park to, you know, guys like Paredes, Idris Aguirre, Wijnaldum, you know, being out the door. Uh, and PSG for less than 100 million euros, I think is the sort of net spend. You know, they're bringing in guys like Renato Sanchez, Carlos Soler, Fabian Ruiz. Uh, you know, it is a major revamp for I mean, he came in so early in the transfer window that people like forget that he's actually a new signing as well. He was missed against Monaco over the weekend. I mean, it really is impressive the way that that whole position has kind of just been rebuilt over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, it's it's at the very least very, uh, if you're a PSG fan, at least you're beginning to see that sort of change of culture that they've been wanting to change for so long. And Galtier obviously remains the number one. Well, and of course, uh, the board behind him as well. Hey, Michael Ahood, let's talk about a storyline that you're looking at before the window shut. We can go anywhere. I mean, we can go to your Manchester United. We can go anywhere you want. Where are you looking at before this window shuts? Oh, obviously Manchester United, so much business being done by the Red Devils and with Anthony coming in. Now it gives me a bit of hope, but as they say in American sports, it's the hope that kills you. I was talking with my friends on the train ride up to Austin and I said to him, Corey, 
I think we have a Premier League team that can get top four. And you said, don't say it. Don't do it. The big thing is I want this Ronaldo saga to go away. If he's, if he's going to go, go. If he's not going to go, stay. I think he's going to end up staying. And there's going to be a lot of work he's going to have to do to endear himself back to the United staff, back to the fans, and back to his teammates. Yes, his best friend, Bruno Fernandez will be his boy. That doesn't change. But will he garner the respect of this team that is now finding ways to win without him and function well without him? When I watched him play against Southampton, you could tell he didn't want to be there. He looked like a player who looked on his way out, who looked very much 37 years old, didn't look anything like the player from last year. There was a, transi- a couple of transition plays where some of the selfishness that, that typifies him as a striker, you saw where it was 3v1 counterattacks And rather than playing the ball to the wide player who was isolated, he was playing the ball to the near side player so he can make the overlapping run. And I just have a bad feeling still about if he stays. I hope someone, whether it's Napoli, I hope someone can make a move. Spalletti already coming out and saying we want him. I just hope someone makes a move to get him at the 11th hour because that would be good for both player and club. And last but not least, that back line, man, if we can get Serginio Dest, a player who has had success under Ten Hag with, uh, when he played at Ajax. We can get the likes of Adest. That provides depth in the back line, especially at outside back with Dallo and even uh, Malasia at left back. Dest can play on either side. And you know what that means? It makes me really tingle. It's why I got up at 6 in the morning uh, to sit in traffic this morning, of course. Thank you to our uh, tech guy at Austin FC. But why I got up was the thought of, wait a second, if those guys come in, then, man, can Phil Jones actually leave? Can <laughs> Phil Jones actually leave? I don't know. Call me crazy. Come on, Phil Jones. 11th year. Can we get you out of here? Oh, but, uh, I mean, do, do, but, but, but what if uh, Phil Jones leaves and then turns into Chris Smalling, who's like morphed into like an elite defender since linking up with Mourinho in Rome? JJ, that I'll tell you what, there's, there's more chance of me getting hired by Chelsea after I take my passport photo here in this booth that I'm I'm sitting in right now <laughs> than that happening. Yeah, regarding Serginio Dest, by the way, Fabrizio Romano confirming that Ten Hag would like him, but Juan Bissaka needs to go first, so there has to be a little bit there. And Villarreal are also interested in Dest as well. Jonathan Johnson, where else are you looking at, my friend? Yeah, well, I actually believe that Ten Hag has come out and said that United's business is done. Whether that's just bluff or not, we'll have to wait and see. But it does sound like there's a few USMNT names who could be on the move. I mean, the obvious ones, uh, you know, you've mentioned Dest and the, the Villarreal possibility as well. But then you've got Pepe, who's been on the move as well. I think he's uh, he's joined Groningen or he's about to join Groningen. I don't know if that one's actually been confirmed just yet, but could be a huge uh, few months for, for some of these USMNT stars because, you know, there's a very small small window uh, of time left to force their way into Beralta's plans. Uh, I know that John Anthony Brooks, who's sort of assumed to be sort of on the outs in terms of the international scene, is, is pitching up at Mallorca as well. So I'm curious to see how a lot of these uh, USMNT moves uh, work out uh, because Pepe, I mean, there was so much expected of him at the beginning of the year, you know, given the the hot form that he built up in MLS and then making his USMNT debut, uh, really hasn't worked out since. And, you know, you just wonder if he's now got enough time available to him to even rebuild his reputation before the World Cup. 
Yeah, absolutely right. It's going to be an interesting final few hours for the USMNT. We've already talked about Pulisic, but other players really want some minutes, really want to get going. And I imagine the Pepe move is specifically for that, you know, not not just because he's probably not doing the business in the Bundesliga, but perhaps going to a league that might suit him a little bit better. Other stories, by the way, Southampton uh, closing in on Ainsley Maitland-Niles, uh, set to be completed on loan, by the way. Uh, Man City uh, buying back clauses of both Sam Edozi and Juan Larios as part of the deal with Southampton as well. All of this is from Fabrizio Romano. Make sure to check out his content over here. Tottenham, by the way, uh, in, in big negotiations with Daniel James from Leeds United. That should be hmm. an intriguing one. And we're still waiting to see what will happen with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Of course, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we wish him uh, the best as he recuperates from that tragic uh, situation that happened in his home with his family. But that's it. By the way, as I mentioned, we have a fantastic live recap show, okay? Uh, as the transfer window shuts, Kego Lasso opens, and all the commentary will be here to discuss the, the biggest, latest story nights. Will Ronaldo eventually leave? Will he stay? We'll see about that. What will happen with Chelsea's final transfer uh, situation, including, of course, Christian Pulisic, this and much, much more. Make sure to follow us. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. Jonathan Johnson, final thoughts. You go first, my man. Oh, man, you've got me at a bad time. Obviously, Villa playing Arsenal later. I'm just praying, <laughs> praying for a positive result. We're going to look nice already... our kid, though, at least that. <laughs> yeah, we are. I mean, I've already tweeted that I'm going to be watching from a cupboard uh, somewhere uh, in the dark, just uh, crying my eyes out, biting my fingernails off. No, honestly, fing fingers crossed we can turn it around. I need need some positivity in my Villa life right mm. now. Mike LaHood, final thoughts, buddy. Ah, oh, man, I need some positivity from Aston Villa because my Manchester United plays the Arsenal this weekend. We'll be talking about it. You know, I'll be decked in red, decked in everything but Arsenal colors. And I had a bad dream last night that my wife and I having our first child and we're not pregnant, not announcing that on the show. I probably would if we were, but that my first child ended up picking Arsenal colors. And that was a sign that we were going to lose. So please, that dream hopefully not becoming a nightmare villa i need you to get points and then on the flip side united this could be the week where we get back into form ronaldo getting out of manchester united that chapter being done please 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 napoli spalletti just take him take him take him take him i'll just stop right there but you guys know what i mean cannot wait for this week come on united <laughs> i love it i love it i love it well Thank you, everybody, for being part of the family. Mike LaHood, at Mike LaHood, at John underscore LeGossip. As I said to you, don't forget, we got the weekend preview. We got the live recap show. So much more to come from Kego Lasso. Thank you so much. Kego Lasso put on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then, bye-bye. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.